Hungry Trilobite podcast would like to start by acknowledging SoonerCon. Get ready for the next chapter in Oklahoma's longest-running fan-run pop culture convention. SoonerCon will be returning in 2024, June 21st through 23rd. Get ready for a weekend of cosplay, fun and excitement, vendors, gaming, and more. You can go to SoonerCon.com for more information. Welcome to today's episode of the Hungry Trilobite Podcast. My name is Aaron Bossig, and I'm going to be your host. I'm really excited about today's episode because I had the chance to record this episode live at Fan Expo Chicago. And honestly, it's been my goal from the beginning of the show to do more of these episodes live and in person on location, either doing them at conventions or doing them at points of interest in the geek world. But that hasn't been as easy to put together as I would have liked. So this time I had a chance to do this on stage in front of an audience at Fan Expo Chicago. We had a panel in which we discussed the history of fan media. This was really cool and I'm really happy with the way it turned out. But there are some caveats I need to give you, the listener. First of all, you have to understand this was done at a convention hall in front of a live audience. So sound issues were what they were, and there's going to be a lot more background noise than you're used to hearing in any episode of my show. I don't think it's terrible. I actually think it adds a nice ambiance to it. But if you're not a fan of background noise, you have my apologies. The second thing to go over is that because of that, I'm going to do a lot more audio processing on this episode than I normally do. And I think that's for the best, but some people don't like it, and I understand that. I respect your opinion. The third thing is that this is the first time I've had a guest on this show who has requested an interpreter. And because of this, I trusted his judgment, and we have one guest who will go back and forth in Japanese with himself, between himself and his interpreter. And there were some ways I could have dealt with this editing-wise. I could have looped over the dialogue. I could have cut out the back and forth between himself and the interpreter and just used the interpreter's words. I chose to leave everything in there. And the reason for this is... When it comes to language barriers, I feel very strongly that even if you don't understand the language, it's important to give somebody their own voice. I want his words to be heard, and I want the interpreter's work with him to be respected. They were both very beneficial to the event, and I don't want to cut anybody out. So if the back and forth is a little confusing, I do apologize for that, but I truly think it's in the best interest of the event and the episode. Let's go ahead and get started right now. Okay, and welcome to the History of Fan Media. My name is Aaron Bostic. I'm the host of the Hungry Trilobite podcast. And I'd like to start off by just saying we're going to be talking about all the ways that fan-made media, the people making media that are just fans like you guys, has kept fandom going for a century. But first, I'm going to start off by letting my esteemed colleagues introduce themselves, starting over here on my right. I'm Brian Nadal. I'm the founder of Pulp Production Studios. I do independent film. My name is Eric Jaworski. I am a uh, freelance photographer for Cosplay and a leadership team member of Cos Meetup Chicago. Okay. Me? Good. Uh, hello. Uh, I am Hiroshi Kanatani, Japanese manga artist. Uh, my, uh, my work is published in uh, Japan, America, Taiwan, Hong Kong, Macau, uh, and, uh, and some other countries. 
and, and my, uh, my work is, uh, include Godzilla and Ultraman, uh, of, of course licensed. And Hiroshi is going to be backed up by the very talented Hiroko here. Um, so before we go ahead and get started on the conversation, I just want to do a quick video to kind of set the table on where we've come until now, and then the rest of the team is going to take it from, from the rest. For over a century, science fiction as a genre has been driven by media made by fans. Here is a brief look at examples like fan conventions, fanzines, cosplay, comics, and film. The idea for conventions could be seen in 1891 when the Royal Albert Hall was rented out to celebrate the then-popular novel, The Coming Race. Although not a financial success, the event was popular enough to be extended for two extra days in order to keep up with demand. In July of 1939, the first World Science Fiction Convention was held. Worldcon 1 was literature-based, but it did feature events such as the screening of sci-fi films and panels about the science behind the stories. The first official comic convention was held in New York Comic Con in 1964, and the first ticket sold was allegedly bought by a teenage George R.R. R. Martin. The first Star Trek convention was held in January of 1972, and today, conventions are a part of our lives. For decades, the tool of choice for fans to communicate and circulate news was the fanzine. Small print publications started in the mid-1800s when printing presses became very small and cheap, and that coincides perfectly with the rise of the modern science fiction genre. Through the 20th century, zines were continually adapted to whatever cheap printing technology became available, and when desktop publishing became popular in the 1980s, Zines adapted that too. In the 90s, the first real shift away from zines happened when websites offered the same information faster and to more people. Websites were the first step toward the streaming options we have today. For you cosplayers out there, you can credit the marriage of costuming and science fiction to none other than Jules Verne himself. Verne threw a party in 1877, and many of his guests showed up dressed as characters from his books. At the turn of the century, dressing up as the comic strip alien Mr. Skygack became a trend. Myrtle Ackerman showed up to Worldcon 1 in costume, although she and her date were the only ones to do so. This was remedied for Worldcon 2, which added a masquerade ball to its event roster. Cosplay was built into the comic conventions of the 1960s and the Star Trek conventions of the 1970s. Today, cosplay is about more than winning a contest or just showing off a cool idea. Entire sections of conventions are dedicated to it. Independent comics got their big start in the 1960s with the underground comics movement. At the time, it was designed to circumvent the comics code for morality. Thus, the comics produced at that time were done with the specific intent of offering as much sex, drugs, and violence as possible. It wouldn't be until the code was lifted in the mid-80s that mainstream publishers would offer more mature content as well, which left independent comic creators more nuanced in their motivations for stepping outside the major publishers. Today, creator-owned comics are the norm, with Kickstarter publishing as many comics as Marvel and DC. While today it seems like everyone is an independent filmmaker, the very concept of making a movie outside a major studio has been filled with challenges since the beginning. For four years, it was literally illegal for individual artists to buy a film, thanks to Thomas Edison holding the patent on it and refusing to sell film outside the movie companies. When that ended, the studios structured the distribution of movies so that anyone trying to release a movie on their own had no hope of attaining an audience. 
This slowly changed as more screens, specifically drive-in theaters and television, increased the demand for movies, and the lock the studios had weakened very slowly. It wasn't until the digital age, however, when making a movie suddenly became cheap enough that nearly anyone could do it. And it wasn't until the streaming age when you could put a movie in anybody's lap just by pushing a button. In all these examples, two factors enabled fan media to grow as much as it has. Digital technology and fans supporting each other in larger numbers. But I think the bigger question now is, what obstacles are we looking at now? What obstacles don't we have that we might have had 30 years ago if we had tried to get started making our fan media? Uh, why don't I go ahead and let you start, Eric? So, the, so again, the question was about how much has changed since 30 years, yes. correct? All right. Especially in the area of cosplay. I definitely would say that even though I've only been uh, in the cosplay scene for five to six years, it is kind of interesting how much has grown in the cosplay community, at least uh, from what I've talked with my fellow cosplayers or that people I've done shoots with. It's like the intensity of the builds that they have, the materials that they get, where a number of times I've heard that it was like difficult to get the materials that they needed for the longest period of time but now you have so many like companies that are producing such materials whether the right type of cloth the type of foam material and just so many resources especially online where you can find guides and tutorials of how to like make a certain thing so is it fair to say that those materials are being produced now because of the higher demand because of cosplay? I would say yes, uh, that would be for sure, especially even times where even studios are reaching out to even cosplayers to be able to help them out. So, for example, the 501 First, a lot of uh, the studio reaches out to them because they have a lot of screen accurate costumes right there upon um, as that as well. Um, yeah. Okay. How about you, Brian? What would you say? Film? Yes. With film, when I started, we used two VCRs to edit. It was just a big old camcorder on my shoulder, and uh, it was a struggle, a very big struggle. And through time, it's gone from uh, just a 1080 camera to a 4K camera, and now we're using stuff like Blackmagic pocket cameras and uh, editing equipment readily available that we didn't have back then. So it's just kind of gotten better and better and easier and easier to do the independent film if you had to get started 30 years ago how much harder would it have been Sorry for um, my my English is so limited. So uh, she 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 helped she helped me translator helped me. So uh, excuse me, I, I speak Japanese. Thirty years ago, Japan was already developed. There were pros. 30 years ago, manga industry in Japan was already fully developed enough. And so it was not very difficult uh, for fans to create their own art. 
あの漫画の作り方としてはあのプロの漫画家のアシスタントになってそこで学ぶっていうのが、まあ、一般的なやり方でした。How to become manga artist, professional comic manga artist in Japan? Usually you started、uh, well being hired by Swift Silk Manga Artist as an assistant and you started the paid job. I started、uh, assisting、uh, your、uh, manga master, manga artist. And at the same time, you get paid and you keep assisting your master artist. Then you also learn how to create manga and a business itself. This is,、uh, this is the most popular or general way to become manga artist in Japan, even 30 years ago. ですので、今でもそのやり方は基本的には変わらないんですけれども、今となってはあの漫画スクールとかそういうのもあるので、そういうところで学ぶ方もいます。Uh, To become manga artists. That's a difference nowadays. 昔はですね、30年前以前は、えーとまあ、僕たちもそうだったんですけど、あのどうやって漫画を,を学ぼうかっていうのを、えー、皆さんずっと模索したんですけれども、結局その、えー、プロの漫画家に就くのが、えー、一般的になって、えー、どうやってプロの漫画家に、えー、アシスタントとして入ろうかっていうのが、えー、その時のアーティストたちの課題でした。そう、for thirty years ago、uh, to become to learn and get paid、uh, to be everything same time to become assistant getting being hired by professional already successful among artists in Japan that is、uh, for the young、uh, for young manga artists who want to become professional artists getting paid to them how to僕はもうあのどの漫画家につくかをこう、えー、探し回ってた時期もありました。Even conducting research, the proper successful manga artist for me to work with. That is how 30 years ago in Japan, how to become a professional manga artist. I like what you're saying that you, you think back to when you were younger and you couldn't imagine being hired by that. And I, I want to ask is there somebody from earlier in the fandom,、uh, you know, even possibly when you were very younger, before you were born? For whom you, you drew up as an inspiration, or you look at their story and you say, This makes me want to do that.、Uh, you mean, if that's what you want, I mean, just any person who has that, that feeling. When I was a child of it,、uh, I, I, like, I like Doraemon. Doraemon is my god. <laughs> and, and, yeah, physical physio is my god. 
So, uh, but uh, I, I, I draw many uh, Ultraman, Kamen Rider, Kaiju, uh, and so on. Uh, and and se uh, second, my god is uh, Urusei Yatsura, uh, Rumiko Takahashi. So, uh, first, his, yes, ideally, he wanted, uh, he wanted to become like Fujiko, Fujio, the creator of Doraemon, because uh, he was uh, a Doraemon, but when he was a child, Doraemon was his childhood hero. But when growing up, he really like Urusei Yatsura, then the creator is Rumiko female manga artist Rumiko Takahashi. So now, uh, when he was young, as a high school or college student, he wanted to become like Rumiko Takahashi, the creator of Urusei Yatsura. Brian, how about you? What, what inspired you growing up in the fandom? For film? Yeah. For film, what inspired me was actually seeing Pulp Fiction. <laughs> When I saw Pulp Fiction, I left the theater saying, that's what I want to do. And then a little movie called Clerks. I saw it and said, wow, if those guys can do it, why can't I do it? And then I would start to see movies, smaller movies, independent films like La Haine out of France, which was just a beautifully done movie. And it was an independent movie, and you could do it anywhere. So it just kind of inspired everybody, you know, all my friends and me, to start making movies. And uh, we started to grow from there. Eric? So, I didn't even know that cosplay photography was ever a thing, like, growing up. It was, like, just something that I didn't know. And as a photographer, I was, like, reaching out to, like, do photo shoots and doing different things. But one of the, like, artworks that kind of, like, inspired me a little bit was uh, Annie Leibovitz, how she has that uh, sort of series where she's recreating a lot of Disney uh, artworks or just characters with, like, celebrities like Russell Brand as uh, Captain Hook or... Um, I think it was like Oprah Winfrey as uh, Ursula, I want to say. But it was that bit where it was kind of like inspiring to see that. But then when I came into the cosplay scene and took in photos, it just kind of like inspired me to take more, try to replicate that work as well. And among like meeting so many other talented cosplay photographers to help push my crafts. And sitting here in an MST3K cosplay, I would be remiss if I didn't admit that I got started doing this watching the show and just realizing that the idea of just taking something made by somebody else and just having fun with it, whether you're making fun of it or just wanting to make your own version of it, was a good idea. It was fun. It was something other people would look at and get. So I looked at that and said, I want to do my own thing someday, and I'm not sure what it's going to be, but I'm going to do it. So I guess from there, I would say if you had advice to give a younger creator who might be following in your footsteps, maybe just a step or two behind you, what, what might you say to them? It's funny enough, I was actually giving someone advice earlier who was trying to get started in cosplay photography. So it's funny that you asked me ask that question. Okay. Um, as I kind of like what I stated to them earlier is that I think it's just the main thing as a cosplayer, or I, again, I don't know whether talk as a cosplayer or a cosplay photographer, that's a difficult part right there. But I guess the things that can work along is to just test things around, test your craft, whether it is to experiment on into either sewing projects, armor builds, uh, painting, makeup. I know that's a big thing for uh, cosplayers as they're trying to improve their craft. As a photographer, going out there, going to conventions like this, getting coverage, networking, and just uh, just getting yourself out there and testing the grounds and getting pushing yourself into some new territories. With film, it's not giving up. There's so many people out there that will tell you, you can't do it, you'll never make it or whatnot. 
But if you look locally, you'll see different people who have succeeded. Yeah, I work in Kenosha, and Orson Welles is from Kenosha. You know, Jack Benny's from Waukegan. You know, there are a lot of famous people who made it. But don't give up. Don't let the negative uh, get to you. Just keep doing what you want to do. Get better at it. Practice and just keep going. Advice for a younger creator? Uh, it's a, your question? Yes. Advice for a younger creator? Oh, well, advice for a younger creator. いや、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、
And I get the feeling that's something we wouldn't have seen about 20 years ago, is a big company reaching out to a small cosplay group and just saying, hey, look at this thing. Yeah, exactly. No, like, especially in the Chicago area, there's, like, a few different people that reached out to us. Like, even, like, whether it is for, like, movie releases or something local where my group, we got an invite to attend a uh, live show of uh, 20 Side Dice, which is sort of like an improv D&D game. And they asked us just come in, dress up as characters, whether Lord of the Rings, Critical Role, Fantasy. So a lot of people like that because it is such good publications. And you actually have had the opportunity to work directly with the publishers. How has that worked out for you? Yes, yes. Yes. And it's how good how that work how our that is if a quick help that there is our influence with that work. Yes. えっと、あ、まずあ、ビジネスアスペース。ヒーズオーリーライセンス。オッケー。で、書いてますけれども、え、これも、えっと、商売になりますし、一応あの、半径元の許可も受けてますので、え、ま、一応僕はクリアしております。ストーリーも自分で作ってるんですね。His まあ、もちろんあの、ライセンス元と話をして、オリエツ受けてからの話ですけれども。今からちょっとだけしますけれども。But uh, this is our uh, uh, let me share my own story. It's a bit different from what you want to hear, but uh、ライセンスを持ってなくて絵を描くのは、え、ライセンスの絵を描くのは本当はいい方です。Well, if you don't get a receipt of if you don't get a license, if you are not licensed and you クリエイティブ it's in Japan, okay, in Japan. And of course, it is illegal to create this, this type of media, comics, and illustration, it is illegal. However, in Japan, if we, this, this does not make much profit, 
And if it is apparently it's not making bringing progress to the creator, those major productions like even Toho, like a Godzilla, Toho is a Japan's largest movie house created Godzilla and also have wise a license of Godzilla, they ignore on purpose because the, the creators do not make much profit. They know it's illegal, however, no lawsuit. They simply, the movie houses and also stakeholders, license holders, ignore。Why those major publishers and movie houses ignore? The reason is money because if they start suing those uh, Japanese creators, think about it. Lawsuit costs tons of money. So they, those giants do not want to spend money for lawsuits. ただし, えっと、僕のようなものが、あの、こういうゴジラの絵を、え、許可なく描いたら、あの、東方から仕事が来なくなるので、そういうことはしません。However, professional artists like me do the same thing. Uh, I would perhaps be kicked out and the Toho, currently uh, he had a permission license from Toho, but if he did outside beyond their license, he would be perhaps fired from the Toho studio and his license would be taken away. So like a professional case like him, he would never do that. コミックマーケットに出せば、え、そこは、え、向こう自体になるので、え、まあそういう方はたくさんいらっしゃいます。However, professional or even even semi-professional artist, there is one way to clear this type of challenge. World famous comic market, Comic in Japan, was largest comic convention in Tokyo. For this is a because huge market and very popular. Uh, even if you're a professional, say my professional, you have booths, you have own booths, and have the business there, those corporate giants would also ignore. Okay, so I now want to open it up to the audience because we're starting to run out of time here and just kind of ask if you have any questions or comments about the way fandom has grown until now or uh, the way it might be going in the future. You can step on up to the mic. And if not, that's okay too. But uh, before we go, I want to give my esteemed colleagues a chance to plug their own works there and what they're doing. They're all here at the con today, obviously, so reach out to them and see if you can grab some of their stuff. Uh, go ahead and start. I'm at booth 1511. We just put um, our third movie on Blu-ray right now. It's called Darkness Has Covered My Light. Then we got uh, four others coming out this year. Uh, we got uh, Treadless Fantasy, which stars Jeremy Lindholm. If you're a Twin Peaks fan or a Z Nation fan, he's in both those shows. We've got um, Until the End of Time, which is a sci-fi horror film coming out. We've got um, Pizzodacy, which is my comedy that'll be released in a theater in September, October. And then uh, we just shot a movie called Crying to the Stars in Tennessee in April. 
that'll be early next year. We're releasing that, and that's going to be my award-winning movie. Eric? Uh, you can follow me on Eric Jaws Photo on Instagram, uh, Twitch, and Twitter. Uh, for the cosplay group that I uh, help out with, Chicago Cosplay Meetups, uh, our booth is down. I believe uh, CZ17, just look for the white backdrop and our banner. We're still offering photos for cosplayers coming right up. And uh, yeah. Hiroshi? Yeah, near future, activities near future. えっと、あ、コンベンション。いや、コンベンション。いや、ハフスコユーコアンダピーポーインアメリカ、ヒウィルティパーティーモーコンベンションズ。いや、いや。シーズライト。そう。あ、アイ、アイオーレディ、アイ